Welcome back to Podcast Radio. I'm Andy. I'm Joe. And continuing from last episode, like missing people or tribes and um, feral people. Yeah, feral people and stuff like that. Like, did, I don't know if we ever said, like, did we believe in feral people or do you think there's like people out there that are feral or what even is your definition of feral? I mean, I know when people think about like a feral, they would think like a, a dog or something like ah, you know, mm-hmm. running around the woods crazy and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, undomesticated. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know if that's what everybody always means when they say that. They it might just be like a wild man or um, someone that wants to be left alone, or also a real person that's never been around humans like us, you know, or refuses to be around humans. Yeah. Just like that one guy who said, you know, don't try to find me. Don't look for me. Whatever he said. Yeah. No. He just maybe was tired of being around people. And I don't think we class some of him as feral. He's just done. And look, he doesn't want to shower. They don't want to do any hygiene stuff, which that would exclude me from that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Do you think there is like a feral person out there? I believe there's more than one. I believe there's lots of people. Lots of feral. Look at uh, some of these islands where they have people who've never come across as we know civilization, and they're very primitive. Mm-hmm. Can, we can't call them feral, but you know these people went from being once socialized and civil to the other way. So I guess I guess you could say maybe. So yeah, I'd have to say I believe in them. Okay. I think they're out there. Yeah, I do too. I think there is. Well, I, I looked up some wild children from history. So John of Liege, one of the earliest English language accounts of a feral child concerns John of Liege, a boy who supposedly spent most of his youth in isolation in the Belgian wilderness. 1644 account of Sir Kenlam Digby, uh, John first fled into the woods at the age of five to escape enemy soldiers during a war. Uh, When his family and the rest of the village returned, John did not he got lost in the woods, and he survived for 16 years on roots and berries. Finally, he returned to the site at age 21, where he was caught trying to steal food from a local farm. By then, he was reportedly naked and all overgrown with hair and had quite forgotten the use of all language. Most astounding of all this, his years in the bush had led him to develop dog-like sense of smell, allowing him to sniff out food from a great distance. And according to Digby, John eventually began to talk again, but his heightened senses dulled once he was back in civilization. Mowgli. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. a jungle book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is one in here where uh, they think they got the story of the jungle book from. Really? Yeah. So, Which, okay, I can believe some of that. If you watch in the zoos and stuff, you'll see like a kid fall into like a bear pit or something. Mm-hmm. Usually the animal doesn't go and tear that kid up. They protect it. Yeah, yeah. Or like a monkey. Yeah, like a monkey. I've seen the ones where the babies fall in and they're like, oh, crap, at a zoo. But yeah, then like the female gorilla goes over there and protects the human baby. Exactly. So they have that instinct. Yeah. I mean, some of these animals are probably better parents, you know. Than humans. And crap, you just dropped your kid on yeah. the ledge. <laughs> Good job, mom, dad. We're just going to let the monkey take care of it. Okay? Yeah, they're better off. <laughs> so they, that instinct kicks in. So who's to say that's not true? They, they just, okay, mm-hmm. you know, and teach them their ways. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool how his senses were heightened. And then once he went back to civilization, they dull over time. 
Yeah, well, think about, look at our senses. We dull them because of technology. Mm-hmm. We don't think for ourselves. Everything's referenced on a phone. Our what, faces are buried what there. What does Wikipedia say? What is we about that? About what? <laughs> Nothing <laughs> good. That's usually what the what the question is. Oh, let me check Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, oh, let exactly. me see Google. Exactly. I was thinking you need an answer. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck. He, he was, the, the silence was he was getting his phone out, typing yeah. in. Uh, what does Wikipedia <laughs> I couldn't type my password fast enough. <laughs> okay, so another one was Marie uh, LeBlanc. In 1731, the French village of Sagne was stunned by the sightings of a young savage girl. Uh, and they called her the Savage Girl of Champagne. She was clad in animal skins and tattered dress and appeared to be anywhere from eight, 10 to 18 years old, depending on the source. Um, she carried around a club and even killed a dog with her club. Oh, geez. In the village. So the villagers finally lured the young woman out of the trees, and they were amazed to discover that she spoke only in animalistic whoops and squeaks and preferred to eat raw meat, often skinning and biting into the carcass of a fresh kill on the spot. In time, the girl learned to speak French and grew more civilized, and she later uh, she was later baptized under the name Marie LeBlanc, and she lived in a convent after that. They sent her off into a convent. So further details about her background would not emerge until 1765 when she told an interviewer that she had escaped to the forest after being kidnapped and brought to Europe as an enslaved worker. Many of her contemporaries believe she was originally Inuit, which is like a Eskimo dude or girl, but recent research suggests she was most likely a Meskwaki Indian born what is now known as Wisconsin. Oh, wow. So wait, so she got a bad rap for killing the dog, but what if it tried to bite her and she's defending herself? Mm-hmm. And With look, she's club. she's primitive. She, okay, maybe the dog was trying to attack her. So I mean, <clears throat> uh, like these are examples of back then when people would go. Something had happened to him. They get lost in the woods. Then right. you know, at one time they were a person. You know, little kid had language and stuff. They lose all that, and then they. Just yeah. live off the land. So I mean, it's possible if it, if a kid can take off at five years old and end up living in the woods for sixteen years. I mean, it's not out of the realm of impossibility. Of course, if you can over time gain a skill, I believe you can also over time lose a skill. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just how it goes. That's just common sense. So there was um, <clears throat> there was other uh, stories of like people groups. And they've gone missing. One, they speculate where they came from. And then also, um, where did they go? One of them is, have you ever heard of the Moon-Eyed people? No. So the Moon-Eyed people, this is a Cherokee legend. So um, according to Cherokee lore, Moon-Eyed people live deep in the woods of present-day North Carolina and Georgia, blue-eyed and pale. They were so sensitive to light that they slept during the day and emerged only in the moonlight. And unlike other beings who appeared in indigenous legends, they were neither spirits or monsters, but humans like the Cherokee themselves. So some suspect that the Cherokee stories about these mysterious beings is rooted in historical fact. And they even suspect that the Moon-Eyed people were descended of Welsh settlers who arrived centuries before Christopher Columbus. 
Wow. So more stories cool. about people, you know, coming to America before Christopher Columbus, you know. Quite a few of those. Yeah. You know, missile Vikings, it, football teams named after the Vikings because they right. find a lot of, you know, Viking stuff up there. Dug That's it up cool. and <clears throat> so um the Moon Eyed people as the European settlers poured into North America in the 18th century, they began documenting the legend of the Moonai people. So the Cherokee described this mysterious race of people as small, light-eyed, and pale. Because of their sensitivity to light, they hid during the day and emerged only at night. The Cherokee tell us that they first arrived in the country when they inhabit. They found it possessed by certain Moonai people who could not see in the daytime. American botanist and educator Benjamin Smith uh, wrote about them. <clears throat> and then um, Chief Oskanaska, a Cherokee chief at the time, he recounted his story to the, um, the uh, governor of Tennessee talking about the Moon Knight people too. So, so, okay, so if they were only coming out at night uh-huh. and their eyes were that sensitive, What's it lead you to believe? Where were they at? In caves. Where are they finding all this stuff? All these writings, all the proof of things, um, their timelines of everything in caves. Mm-hmm. And where do they find a lot of activity? And I can touch, because I love the paranormal, so much stuff happened in there. When these miners would go in these places, they'd disappear, they'd hear voices, things would all in caves. So it kind of makes you wonder what was left behind. Yeah. Their practices, their ritualistic issues and everything, all in caves. I mean, it's dark. It's perfect climate. You have energy. You have water. You know sources. It's it's a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, to hate to say it that way, but how what happens in those? So them hiding in the caves opens up a whole new chapter for me and to kind of grasp that concept. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's so true. And they ended up the the legends are the Cherokees ended up running them off. Like they attacked them at night to get rid of them for whatever reason. They didn't explain why they didn't want them around anymore. Or what. Wow. So that's interesting. So have you ever heard of, so that's a, a people group, like nobody knows what happened to them. Right. You know, so could that be part of a person descendants of the those people, people out yeah. there? Yeah. And they could still be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Living in caves and stuff. What about the Valley of Headless Men? Have you ever heard of that? Isn't that uh, our politicians? <laughs> <laughs> Washington, D.C.? Yeah. So this is in Canada, up in their, uh, up in their national, one of their national parks. But in 1908, brothers Willie and Frank McLeod embarked on a mission into the Nahani Valley in search for gold. They never returned. Two years later, the bodies of the McLeod brothers were found on the banks of the Nahani River. Their heads, though, were nowhere to be found. The two men were murdered, decapitated, and left on the side of the river for the next party of explorers to find. So, wow! nine years after the McLeod brothers were found, Martin Jorgensen set off to the valley on a quest for gold. Soon after, Jorgensen sent out letters claiming that he struck gold. His cabin was mysteriously burnt to the ground. The remains of his body were found among the ashes. Just like the McLeod brothers, Jorgensen's body was found without a head. In 1945, a miner from Ontario succumbed to the same exact fate. The body was found headless in his sleeping bag. 
Wow. So there's an area up there. And where is this at again? This is in Canada. And mm. it's the Nahani Valley, but it's also a, a national park too. So something, someone was decapitating these people. Mm -hmm. Wow. So numerous other reports from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police confirmed similar deaths, and a good number of people have simply vanished without a trace after setting foot in the park. Around the same time in the park's history, a series of unexplained plane crashes earned an expanse of mountains the name of the funeral range, which borders the ominous Hell's Gate Rapids. Oh, wow. That's so, crazy. So at first, uh, before you clarified for me that it was in Canada, I was thinking, well, maybe you got that whole shrunken head thing, but it's Canadian people, you know? Yeah, I know. It's not because a friend of mine, he, um, he's passed away now, but he used to work in the oil field and he was in the Congo and they would take him up the river. And he says on the way up there, they'd find decapitated, you know, bodies, but also they were hung off of trees and there were all other oil field people that were kind of like made example don't come this, oh this way they wandered out to yeah, by themselves huh? or something and down the river they'd be you know escorted to their spot but there'd be people just kind of all down the river not like not like hundreds but yeah staggered through once in a while and there were americans different from different countries but it was all oil filled people and i'm like dude that's like what kind of sign do you need that don't go no more and he says man money was good I bet. And they just left them up there. The the even the oil companies weren't like, oh, let's go cut this. No, they were they weren't allowed it. They were told just leave them there because they see you doing that, then you've just you've just kind of piss them off. And now they're on, you're on their radar. Yeah, you're gonna be hanging from a tree. So I think those kind of deaths and stuff can be symbolic. They're doing obviously to prove a point, but I wonder why taking the head, you know, and what do they do with that mm -hmm. to leave the body behind? Yeah, and then who's doing it? Like there, there's a group of people up there like yeah. is there a tribe of indians or something or that still lives like yeah. they did back in the day you know exactly so since the first denny that's what they call the the natives people settled there ten thousand years ago the lore of hidden tropical gardens mythical creatures and spirits hiding in the parks hot springs and tough amounts abounded i once heard a a chief tells stories of an ancient giant um, who took, who would cook his food in the springs. Whether giants roam in the park or not, the hot springs do hold special cultural significance to the local tribes there who leave offerings like uh, tobacco at the springs for good luck. It said, if the springs are full, it's a um, auspicious sign. So later in the 19th century, UFO sightings and other strange lights were reported in the park. A predatory bear-dog hybrid that went extinct um, back in the, you know, dinosaur period is what they're calling it. Prowling the valley as well as signs of Bigfoot activity in the forbidden parts of the park. Um, certain areas within the park are closed to visitors because of their sensitive ecosystems and cultural significance to the indigenous people. But some say the restrictions are as much about containing the park's supernatural forces as they are about keeping people out. Wow. So I'm like, the, I bet you it's more like some. there's a group of people living up there, whether it's oh, yeah. Indians or just 
you know, wild people or something. And they're like, man, we ain't going up there either. Like, we're not going to go search for you. Right, well, exactly. Because we're going to end up having our heads chopped off too. Exactly. And then they don't say what the other people were doing Mm-mm. to, you know, I'm not saying they're all guilty of something, but you don't know what the interaction was. Yeah. I saw a video once that where some people had found these, these tribal people that don't know anything about modern civilization and they're filming them from a, quite a ways. And then all of a sudden the guy next to him just drops and the camera pans. He's got a big old arrow stuck in his head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, whoa. And they, they weren't playing. Yeah. Get away. We don't, you're just, you look like weird aliens to us. We mm-hmm. don't know who you are. So they're standing there by the creek on the other side of it. And you just hear just boom, a thump and he drops and the dude's dead. And run, 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 run. You know, little Jumanji type run to the jungle. You shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. You know, these people don't want to be disturbed. So over time, their traditions, their habits, their skill set, maybe these people, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, because- uh, And if we don't know about it, we fear it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, leave them alone. Yeah, like a lot of the legends and stuff, they probably like really feed into that just to, I don't know, do they feed into it to keep people out or- would that attract more people? Like, oh, there's Bigfoot. There, oh, there's a dog, bear man up there. I want to go search for that. You know what I mean? I would. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd be like, yeah. Oh, definitely. But, you know, back to the thing with feral people, I, I think they do exist with that. I mean, being a preacher's kid, most preacher kids are feral anyway. Little curtain climbers, they're all bad. <laughs> <laughs> so even around us, ooh, they're a different breed. Yeah, so the last official like on documented sighting of a person found without their head chopped off was 1945. But then after that, the, you know, Canadian Royal Mount police said there have been similar occurrences. So that's pretty, you know, that's recent because how long have they been around the 1800s? Yeah. You know, mid 1800s. Um, so isn't it weird how 1945 doesn't seem so far away? No, not at all. But then you do the math and it's almost, 100 years away yeah like one person away exactly like if one guy could live from 1945 or 1845 1945 yeah because when people still say like the 80s mm-hmm. to me in my head oh, oh, that was like two years ago yeah and it's like, <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> well um there was one movie that i remember seeing i don't know if you ever seen it the last of the dogmen have you ever seen that no oh it's a good one so I can't remember who stars in it, but it was like a, you know, theater movie. Okay. The Last of the Dogman. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he, uh, I don't know if, I can't remember if he's just a tracker or whatever. Somebody gets lost and they want to hire him to go find the people. And he's in Montana. Okay. And so butts up against uh, Canada. And when he gets up there, he discovers a tribe of Indian that are still living like it, you know, from one, 200 years ago. And then he wants to keep them, um, secret and stuff, oh, but it's really cool. good. Thank so you. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of weird. You know, they got a movie about it. It's in Canada, you know, this tribe of Indians still alive. So, I mean, you know, that's when they like to tell us or where they like to tell us some truths Yeah. in Hollywood, you know, fiction, mm-hmm. quote unquote. who copied who. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, if you like this episode, just give us a five-star review wherever you listen. Um, continue to send in your requests at podcast13 at gmail.com. And um, until next week.